and welcome to the Plotting Shed podcast. This is Rachel McCartane. Uh, very nice to talk to you again. Um, I'm looking forward to the spring. I hope you are. And we put a little podcast out last week about what you can do to get your garden ready for spring. But then it struck me I'd missed something off. And it struck me because my husband was out in the garden and he was moving some old logs um, that we'd, I'd left around um, in the garden, an old birch tree where we'd had an old birch tree taken down and I'd popped out shopping and come home and he'd, he was going to sort of cut it down and it was actually quite rotten inside and he said, look at all these maggots in, the, in this log bark here. He said there were loads of them. And I said, looked at him and I said, they said uh, you haven't squashed them, have you? He said, no, 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 they're all just here, but look at them. And, and I looked and I was amazed. Do you know what we have? We had over 40 stag beetle larvae in this one log. And of course, my husband had smashed all the log up and there were the whole of the inside of the log was all rotten, where obviously the stag beetle larvae had been quite happily chewing everything up and, and minding their own business. So when I said to him, actually, what we have there, my love, are stag beetle larvae and they're an endangered species in the UK. And he sat there and thought, oh, right. So he very carefully have relocated the stag beetle larvae to another part of the garden. But it got me thinking and I thought, you know, we obviously tidy up our gardens in the spring and we clear up all the debris and the detritus and we try and make them look nice and neat for the summer and, and looking good so that we can enjoy sitting out in them. But how good do we want them to be tidied up and how well rather do we want these to be tidied up? Because I thought all of, you know, our gardens are a little microcosm of nature you know we still are part of the natural world although we put up should we say man-made objects and man-made elements of the garden we are still part of the earth and creatures don't know that this is a human garden when they come and live in it they just want to live in an environment that provides food and shelter for them and a place for them to reproduce so i suddenly thought Do you know what actually come the spring it's not just tidying up the garden and making sure that we've got the weeds in you know under control and the grass is starting to look better as i said in the podcast the other week and that we sort of take pictures you know and we're just tidying up our garden but we've also got to be mindful that the insects are, are beginning to, to to stir and come back to life as well and and the little animals and creatures in the garden are beginning to wake up if they were hibernating or they're starting their breeding cycles. So we really don't want to do too much that disturbs them. And I just thought I'd talk to you a little bit about that. So for example, first thing, most important thing in the spring, if you've got hedges, please don't cut your hedges in the spring. Um, obviously that's the go-to place for an awful lot of, of the small birds and small garden birds that we have to nest and we don't want to disturb them so the springtime really isn't the time to go oh i must go and trim the conifer hedge or i must go and cut the ivy back you know the ivy right now will have played host to a myriad of insects and butterflies and moths and various other invertebrates who've all used it as shelter from the winter and the winter storms and the winter weather so to cut it back now we kind of you know we could be destroying their their shelter belt and just give them time to get back out and wake up and get out into the into their sort of out of hibernation before we do that 
So we've got in our garden some little areas that I very rarely touch. You know, my garden is big enough, I suppose, that I can have uh, a slightly untouched area. But in any garden, whatever size, you can always create a little a little nook or a little cranny that you kind of leave. Um, and we'll have little log piles and various things around where animals and invertebrates can shelter and live out the winter. And in fact, it's the early March and this morning on my compost bin, I saw my first fritillary butterfly. Uh, it was fluttering around in the, in the sunshine and I thought, wow, um, it's obviously wintered somewhere in the garden and there's a little bit of warm sunshine and out it's come. So we don't want to make our gardens too artificially tidy. And especially in spring, we don't want to get rid of everything too much. Now, I know some gardening books and some gardening websites advocate, you know, pick up the debris, and, you know, because that's where the slugs hide and that's where the snails are and then they'll get in and eat your plants. And that's very true. But if your garden is a healthy ecosystem, then the slugs that are in your garden will be predated on by those animals that are higher up in the food chain. So if we've created an environment where all animals and invertebrates can live quite happily in our garden, it will balance itself. So I was delighted that my stag beetle larvae were in that log because stag beetles are a really good apex predator. I was moving some uh, old bits of log and things around from underneath a couple of trees in my woodland part of my garden and there were four toads in there. Now toads are fabulous slug hunters and I certainly wouldn't advocate putting any slug pellets down in my garden even though they do eat some of the plants because I know I've got toads and I wouldn't want to poison my toads because they're being fed poisoned slugs that I've killed. I'm destroying my ecosystem. So, and it's one of the things I really do feel quite passionately about that we all too easily reach for the chemicals because we sort of go and we suddenly see on a plant that there's something's eaten it or something, there's a hole in a leaf and lots of the gardening literature tell you to, oh, well you can, oh, that's that bug, you must get rid of that bug. Oh, that's a bad bug, you don't want that bug. This bug eats your plants, we must get rid of that bug. But that bug or that bad bug or this bad bug are food for another bug which in itself is food for another bug and another bug and my viewpoint is this if i go into my garden and i see aphids on my roses i will go and i'll get my washing up liquid solution which is a environmentally friendly washing up liquid solution and I will spray the aphids because what it does is it gums up their legs and they're breathing and they and they and they die. But the washing up solution that I'm using is a plant based one. So it's not going to poison anything else either. And that overgrowth of aphids will quickly disappear. But I don't spray with chemicals that are designed to kill everything, because if I do that, then I'll kill the ladybird larva that I didn't see that might have been crawling up the rose bush to eat those aphids, or the ladybirds. Um, I won't make the aphids poisonous to the blue tits and the robins and, the, and all the other small little garden birds that'll come down and feed on them. So my viewpoint is very much this. If you don't 
use chemicals in your garden to artificially dispose or eradicate a particular species of insect that you don't like. All of the insects and other predators that would feed on that will come into your garden because they can actually find food. And those predators will naturally keep down all of the outbreaks that you get. Now, if you kill everything and you spray everything and you, you sort of go, oh, my goodness, there's a bug, my help, my, you know, my dahlia's got an earwig hole in it, I'm going to spray my dahlias with everything, then all of the earwigs or all of the bugs that are beating your dahlias are killed. That's fine. But then any of the good bugs can't find any food in your garden, so they go to somebody else's garden or they die off. And then because bad bugs are really good at, 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 at reproducing, we all know how fast they can reproduce, you can never get rid of them all at once. All of a sudden, the bad bugs are back again. But this time you haven't got any good bugs to, to kill them or eat them, so you have to spray again. And the same old cycle continues. So I always try and break that cycle and I haven't used any chemical sprays in my garden for years. I'm not an organic gardener, um, but I, you know, I just don't do that sort of thing. So now I know I've got stag beetles in the garden. I know I've got toads in the garden. And most importantly, I've got a hedgehog in my garden, which are the other predator that we need to have, that we all need to look after. And they're all waking up and coming out. And hedgehogs are fabulous at rooting out slugs and snails and all those worms and things that might, you know, or that, that will cause problems to your plants. So I want to encourage the hedgehog because it's a far more efficient slug killing machine than me and my chemicals ever could be. And that gets us onto hedgehogs, by the way, because we did run a little campaign about hedgehogs uh, a couple of years ago called Have a Heart, Have a Hedgehog Hole. And basically what we were trying to do is to say to people, just take a look at your garden. Um, is there a place in your garden that a hedgehog can get in and a hedgehog can get out? Because if there is, and everyone in their garden, especially in these vast suburban housing estates that we've got, if everyone had a little tiny hedgehog hole, no bigger than a CD, so really small, just somewhere in the bottom of your fence, then you, a hedgehog can quite happily forage between your garden and all your neighbours' gardens, chomping away on all of the slugs and all of the snails and all of the other bad bugs that eat your prize plants. And the best bit is, if they can get to all of your gardens through holes in each of your back gardens, they won't need to have to cross the road to go and get anywhere and we won't be killing hedgehogs. So there you are, folks. Have a heart. Go and have a hedgehog hole in your garden. And what's more, go and speak to your neighbours as well and tell them to go and have a hedgehog hole in their garden. And if you can, if you see your neighbours spraying furtively lots of chemicals, maybe, maybe when the time is right over a nice cup of coffee and a cream tea, you can say to them, do you really need to spray like that? Because I've got toads in my garden and I've got hedgehogs and I've got... I've got stag beetle larvae and I've got all of these good bugs and and they can't eat anything in your garden. You've killed everything and, and it might kill these and, and we, we, you know, we've got to protect our natural environment, which is my soapbox, I suppose. And I apologise 
for it being my soapbox. But, you know, all gardens can be beautiful, but we don't have to make them perfect. My garden isn't perfect. I have a rose in my garden that my mother gave me um, that she'd taken a cutting from from my grandmother's garden um, when she used to live in this tiny little cottage called Mill Cottage in a village called Felsted. Um, in Essex many many years ago so it's got a, it's it's a you know it's a nice rose that I like and every year this is the only plant that gets done like this but the leaf cutter bee absolutely loves this rose so every year I have hundreds and hundreds of little half moon shaped cutouts on the leaves where the leaf cutter bee has quietly come in and chomped out part of the leaf and flown off and used that to, to stuff its eggs and stuff its nests and everything else with. And my rose is still quite happy. It still grows every year. And it doesn't mind that the leafcutter bee comes and chews its leaves. It still flowers. It still does. It still looks lovely. But it doesn't look perfect. But nature isn't perfect, is it? Nature is just what nature is. Anyway. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Rachel at plantpots.com. If you've got any advice, questions about gardens or garden design, drop me an email, rachel at plantpots.com. Uh, we've got plenty of gardening advice on our website, uh, which you can visit. Um, thanks for listening. Obviously, if you've liked this podcast, please do subscribe. You can tell your friends about us. Um, and you've been listening to The Plotting Shed. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon.